Hi, Destiny. Hey, how are you? Man, uh, I'm pretty good considering uh, what we're facing in the country right now and uh, what we're facing around. I, I think uh, as I typically try and respond to most people who ask me that question, I'm above dirt and nobody shot at me today. So that's a good start. <laughs> well, listen, I, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of, out of your day to come on and, and really share your incredible story uh, with the Frog Logic listeners. I think, uh, you know, when our mutual friend uh, sent me the information about you, I was just blown away uh, by uh, what you're going through, what your family's going through, what your husband's going through. And, and I'm just happy to be able to, um, you know, be able to create a space for you to be able to tell your story uh, and share it so people have a better understanding that the injustices within NCIS and within the Uniform Code of Military Justice still continue. They're still happening. They're happening all the time, all around the world. And, and unfortunately, you know, uh, I think this is a, a um, I should say, fortunately, this, I believe, is a remarkable opportunity through your experience uh, to be able to hopefully make some corrections in the long term there. So why, why don't, ha, ha, first off, you come from a military family, don't you? Uh, yes, I'm really familiar with uh, military culture. My father spent 27 years in the Air Force. Uh, my brother was in the Army. I ended up joining. I spent um, a little over 13 years wow. um, in the Army. And in 2015, I ended up getting out because my late husband had passed away. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, can you just, I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, it was the, a group of, of seven MARSOC Raiders that went down in the Hilo off the coast of Florida in 2015. Your husband was a part of that group. Correct. Did, when, one of the things that we chatted about uh, in our pre-call was how... Um, readily um, you were willing to move into a place of support as a gold star wife. What, what made you want to do that? Um, well, I think one, because I, I've been there and um, I knew that there were times where like I felt uncomfortable or there was a lot of unknowns for, for me so stepping up as a gold star wife to like help other people um, kind of gave me some purpose yeah. and understanding um, the compassion there compared to like a casualty officer that just kind of kind of shows up and, and goes through the motion of like the check in the boxes. There's still the, um, the emotional realm that goes along with, uh, you know, losing a spouse and that understanding there. So I just felt like it was really important for me you know, to pay it forward. Amen. Absolutely. Some of, some of my biggest heroes, uh, you know, have been my friends' wives that have done exactly what you've done, who've become these really powerful voices for, um, you know, the, the aftermath, so to speak, as, as what happens to life, in particular when you're a part of, of the special operations community where there's somehow you know, you, you get into it and, and the idea of immortality begins to mm -hmm. kind of flourish. Right. 
and you start to really believe that, you know, because you're, you're, you're Im immersed in this dangerous occupation day in and day out that oh, there's no, nothing's, you know, I'm, I'm unbreakable. Nothing's going to happen. And unfortunately we, we now know after, after 20 years of, of combat and, and extensive training that, you know, there are casualties and, and, and casualties happen all the time within our communities. But what's really beautiful in my mind is when you see someone like you, you know, who says, I'm not going to allow the devastation of this loss to uh, uh, inhibit my ability to influence people to, to, to look for a brighter way down the road. Did you learn that from someone or is that just kind of who you are? Um, well, I think I learned it from my mother. So I think it has a lot to do with the environment that I was raised in. And I had a mother and, and, and a dad that were really big into tough love. So I just remember when everything happened, when I lost my late husband and, you know, you think your parents are going to like coddle you. And, and, and for a split second, like I wanted my parents to like hold me and tell me everything was going to be okay. But I had a mother that she pretty much told me I could sit in my room and I can cry and cry, but that, that's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. And she just told me to be like grateful because I was left with a daughter. Yeah. So, you know, she, you know, told me to count my blessings and, and to get up and move forward because I deserve happiness and my daughter deserves happiness. And my late husband deserves to be honored, you know, from this day, you know, till my last dying breath. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and that's such a powerful thing, right? Where you take tragedy in your life and you can, you can, you can manipulate the pain uh -huh. to where it becomes a, a, a performance enhancer, right? It, you, right. you, you see this uh, incredible um, um, ability to, to kind of wade through that, that endless swamp of, of mm -hmm. just, you know, suffering that can be affiliated with early loss, right? And, you know, my, my fiance, and I, I spoke a little bit, you know, her husband passed away early too. And, and just, you know, hearing her story of perseverance, and it's just such a, 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 a proud thing to be able to have that, that ability within you. Do, you. do you call on that every day in some capacity? You know, I do. And sometimes I have to like remind myself and my biggest thing that I remind myself is that life is unfair to everyone. But what's really unfair is like your, your mental state, because that, that plays a lot into things. And if you're not strong upstairs and everything else kind of crumbles and I just feel, I don't know, I just feel compelled to, I don't know, do bigger and better things. And yeah. maybe because there's an appreciation of, of life and and like gratitude and knowing that I had a, a, a really small moment with my, you know, with my late husband. Uh, and, and I don't want that to like, I don't want that to die because they, you know, they always say like love never dies. And the reason why it never dies is because you move forward and you honor that person and you do that by finding like your road of happiness. And um, so I just tried to do that. And, and it's hard. Like I said, there's days I want to, you know, I want to cry. There's days like I want to give up. And, you know, I look to my daughter and I just look at life just a lot differently than, than people do. Absolutely. And what, what's so incredible, what I, I love to see is I love to see um, anybody that's, that's gone through a particular level of trauma, 
right? Because trauma is, is essentially what can either define us or break us. I mean, uh -huh. and, 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 and you, throughout the, the narrative of our existence, we're always, we're always being confronted with it. We're always mm -hmm. having to face it in some capacities. Now, if you choose certain uh, pathways, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more severe than in other people's lives. But I, I think if with the right mentality, like you're expressing, it just invigorates us to, a, like you said, to appreciate all the little aspects of life that we so often take for granted. Uh, you know, uh, holding your child's hand, taking your child to the park, uh, telling a story of, of, about, you know, something in the past that really gives gravity to the present. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing that you've been able to do with, with this experience, in particular with what you're facing now. I, you know, the, the reason why we, we brought you on is because of what your current husband is, is facing. And, and we'll get into that for sure. But could you first tell us, you know, how you guys met and, and yeah. what happened in that moment? Because it sounds like, you know, you, you were blessed with just this incredible new human to come into your life again yeah. after, you know, you, you, you had to face such substantial adversity. So our, uh, our initial meeting, um, we actually met during a memorial march that we did a year after uh, the accident, which started in, in Florida. And we pretty much like rocked all the way back to Stone, Stone Bay. So and cool. <laughs> so I was on team one and he was on team seven. So it was a constant, you know, frog jump of each, of each team. And we, we met there, um, we probably didn't really like each other at that time. <laughs> I think personally, it was kind of the whole, like, I don't like that person in like kindergarten, like, let me pull your hair, like stay away. And of course we were obviously in different mindsets on what we were doing, but that's where it initially started. And then a few months after that, he just reached out and, um, you know, he just asked me how my heart was. And of course I was like, that's kind of cheesy and corny, but he really meant like, how is your heart? Because it's usually the strongest ones that are like crying out for help. Right. Or, you know, just need somebody to talk to. And, you know, at that moment, that's where our, our like friendship like blossomed. And we just kept in touch, you know, throughout the years. And then it was late, um, late September, 2017. We just kind of closed the gap and we're like, you know, let's make this work. And, and then there, there was the understanding of the loss and um you know because obviously he's lost a lot of like friends and brothers yeah. throughout his career so we had that in common and there was no competition and there was no living in the shadows and we could honor like Liam together and he could talk to my daughter and you know tell her things and because obviously we have a lot of friends in common so it just that common bond just kind of really molded us and, and just made us that much stronger that's yeah. really cool. What a, what a courageous thing. Cause I, I know a lot of um, my friends uh, that became widows, you know, they, there was a tendency to really close themselves off, mm -hmm. right. And in particular to close themselves off from anybody within the community, right. right. There was these, these uh, really, I believe uh, kind of tragic, you know, um, taboos that exist, right. Oh, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're dishonoring your husband by talking to anybody from the team, you know, all this craziness. And, and 
I never understood that. I never understood why anybody would want to try and constrain somebody else's happiness. I mean, it happens day in and day out, but it just always, especially in these particular situations, it doesn't make any sense to me. But but what's what I loved is that you you know he he saw that you 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 were you know you were available to some real questions and and from mm-hmm. someone within the community itself who understood both sides of the trauma right he understood right. the the fact that this mother and this 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 wife you know was struggling and then he also identified a place that he was struggling too and you guys could come together and what that meant. Was that a big part of the, the, how your friendship evolved was to those discussions or was it more of a, let's just lean on each other and support one another and figure out a pathway forward? I mean, I, I definitely think it's, it's a, a big part because I think to, to be able to be married these days, there's got to be a, a certain kind of understanding and trust. And so it was one of those things like for me, I don't have to hide my emotions towards my late husband. Yeah, that's cool. You can walk into our house and it's pictures of, you know, Liam and Danny and they're, and they're all together. Like, you know, he has those little man cave and there's pictures, you know, of my late husband. And and that, that speaks a lot about his character to like honor, you know, Liam like that. I mean, he's come to Arlington with us. He's held my daughter's hand, you know, walking into Arlington and, and has talked you know, to Leilani about it. And he's also really good friends with, you know, my brother-in-law. So they yeah. have, they have, I don't know. It's, we probably, there are probably some people that have an issue with it, but when you are in a marriage and you've lost that person, the one thing for me is like, you, you crave that, that love, like, you know what it looks like. So you, you want it. And absolutely. And for me, of course, I was closed off for like a, a very long time, um, but it just it just seemed right, and I just felt like I can go to him and and talk to him about like anything. And of course, we had things in common, like you know, we're both into the outdoors and we're both into physical fitness, so that plays a part. We just had the same mentality, and um, it's beautiful. I, yeah. I love it. It really sounds. Fantastic. I, I, you know, I, I try and approach it too with my fiance. She has, you know, two children from, you know, her first marriage. And, and I I look at it the same way. I say, what an honor for me uh, to be able to honor him, right. To Mm -hmm. be able to make sure that he, and you know, if you do believe in the afterlife, you do believe in, in, you know, to be able to acknowledge that, you know, I'm doing my best for him and I'm keeping his memory alive because it is so substantial for everyone involved, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not just the, the kids in particular, it, it's everybody to recognize yeah. that, you know, the memory of somebody is critical to all of our development. And it's also what maintains that, that the longevity of gratitude, I believe too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. And, and for me, just like he, like Danny never really saw this side of like family. I never really saw a lot of the hurt on when, you know, guys in the community lose, you know, a a brother and and how it affects them. So it it just kind of opened up, you know, my mind a lot. So, because sometimes when you're in your grieving moments, you're like, it's my moment. It's my moment. That was my person. And then you forget like, no, like he had teammates and they get to grieve. 
and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And every, at the end of the day, loss is loss to whoever it might be. There's no, nobody has like a one up on anybody. That is the most bizarre thing in the world. And what's, what's fascinating, I'm so glad you just brought that up because man, I know in our community and that we're always trying to govern this metric of importance, right? Oh, he has 10 deployments. You only have two. Oh, I was with him when he died. You weren't, uh, you know, and, and to a certain degree, there are the way trauma affects people in terms of your proximity and all that. It alters us all, but we're all unique in the way we process. But man, it's, it, we become so hyper-protective mm-hmm. of, our, of our own grief and what it's, the, 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 the weight it has. And, you know, and then, so you start to make it in this, these hierarchies across mm-hmm. these different, you know, subcultures and cultures that we interact with every day. I just, I, I don't get it, but it, it happens, right? Yeah, it does. It does. Well, let me ask you this. So, I mean, obviously you, you fell in love with Danny and, and another Marsoc Raider and, and, and obviously his career was, in in full swing and continues to be was were you nervous about moving forward in terms of that you were gonna face some <laughs> other tragedy or you know whatever I mean how could you not be but I, I I just I I think the way you would describe it is gonna be really really impactful for people listening so um yeah I mean I, I was because obviously anybody in the special operations field they're th- their percentage of losing a life is a lot higher than, than most people. But I just don't live my life like that. You know, you, you try to, you, you try to plan, but you also try to like live for the moment. And, and at that moment, that was what was right for me. And I was able to take, take whatever consequences, you know, might get handed down to me, you know, by being with him and him going on another deployment and everything but it, it's, it's worth it to me, you know? And, um, nobody wants to be like a black widow, you know, like, <laughs> I, like you know, God forbid, you know, but like if it was to ever happen, you know, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just don't live my life like that. And, and I didn't really care what anybody else had to say, or I don't know. That's I, I cool. Just, yeah. It's remarkable <laughs> strength. It is. I have to answer to me at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's like, I don't need to answer to anybody else except for maybe the man upstairs, you know? And, and I just, I want to do things honorably. And I just felt like, why not? You know? And plus, of course, I'm, I was attracted to like the alpha male, but I also was raised around a military culture where my father wasn't around a lot. So it just was fitting. Like it just made sense to me. And it's like, he could deploy and I can take care of what's at home. And, and vice versa. And I just felt like I had that strength to do it because not everybody can get married to somebody in the military, but then it takes a special type of person to marry somebody in the special operations. So, Amen. Well, I, I love it. It's, it's so, it's such a wonderful story and, and it has such, there's such um, examples. There's so many examples mm-hmm. for people to be able to, uh, um, um, I don't want to call latch onto, but they're uh, to be able to connect with, right? All the different people in the world, regardless if you've lost a spouse in the military, or just lost a spouse, period. You know, that process of moving forward and what that looks like. I, you know, there's, there's not a lot of great 
you know, how to, to do it. And in fact, most people who talk, I, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to turn to. I was kind of navigating my own grief and then kind of it just happened. And I, I, I trusted my heart. I trusted my instincts and, and I became happy from it. And, right. and it's such a, a wonderful thing to be able to share that with people. And I'm just so grateful that you were willing to, to talk about that. Now, uh, uh, unfortunately, that's not just the sole reason why, why you came on, and and I appreciate again. It just uh, it really is. Uh, um, there's so many um, so many challenges that we deal with within the military in terms of the standards by which we have to live our lives, the expectations of performance on the battlefield, uh, the the profound um, conundrum of moral ambiguity, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I spent all my life learning how to take life and kill. And then at the same time, I have to uh, be a choir boy and I have to adhere to, you know, this uh, uniform code of military justice. And, and it just becomes so diluted. And in the midst of all that, uh, I'm being surrounded by the military industrial complex that uh, is has a whole different set of guidelines. And I can remember, you know, being a contractor in, in the heyday of contractor where, where, you know, and I worked for Blackwater for two years and it was, it was the wild, wild West and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I've been in, I've seen, I, I don't even, I've forgotten how many incidents I've seen or been a part of that were just outlandish where there was no repercussion for the contractor. They didn't have to adhere to any type of, of, of strict code. And so, I, you know, as a kind of a, a preface for the story, I, I just want everybody to kind of, when you're listening to Destiny, tell this story, truly listen to the, the disparities on what, how certain people have to govern themselves versus others in these very um, kind of uh, gray areas of, of existence and war zones. So without further ado, Destiny, could you share the story and inform our listeners um, what's going on and, and, and what's happened to you and your husband? Okay, so um, 2018 into 2019, January 1st, um, my husband and two of his uh Raider friends went out and uh, they had permission to go out. Um, this is Erbil, Kurdistan, um, very different than Iraq. So they went out, um, you know, to celebrate. Uh, Danny was about to make Master Sergeant. That's so awesome. Uh, uh, Chief Gilman, which is Eric, he was about to get promoted. You know, I was pregnant at the time. So there's just, a, there was a lot for them to celebrate. So, you know, they, check out like they're supposed to they leave they go to an establishment leave they go to another establishment and there at that establishment uh eric was getting like harassed by uh mr rodriguez and um he and this is all in the video he just kept harassing eric for whatever reason he was was, where where did i'm sorry to interrupt you destiny where where did the videotape come from was it inside the establishment or and there was like outside cameras you know through like other businesses right um so it it just showed this rick was harassing eric 
prior to that, he was harassing other people. So eventually he got kicked out. So then when he got kicked out, there's witness statements that Rick said, I'm going to, you know, effing kick your butt, you know, right. to Eric. And um, so... And Eric is the, the, the IDC the corpsman. corpsman that was there, yeah. right? Who yes. And for listeners knowing, so IDC corpsman within the Navy. So the Marine Corps doesn't have medics. So they, what they do is they pull a corpsman over from the Navy and the IDC corpsman is the highest level, especially uh, special operations guys that have been to 18 Delta. I was an 18 Delta medic. Uh, you know, they have incredible expertise from when it comes to uh, trauma and, and all things in terms of uh, being just exceptional medics within the special operations community. Sorry, didn't mean to. No, you're, you're, you're yeah. fine. So, um, so Rick Rodriguez left the establishment with, I would say maybe like five to seven other individuals that were Marine Corps and contractors. So they left and I guess they, they were waiting. And so Danny, Eric and Josh left the establishment and Danny at this time doesn't know really what's going on. And then Eric's telling him like, yeah, you know, this is what happened. And Danny is like, okay, well, let me, I'll just go talk to him because we don't need to bring that back to the base. It's a new year, whatever. Danny at the time was one of the, the senior enlisted uh, guys out there. So he just felt the need to be, to say something. So he. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. How many, how many deployments had the three Raiders had together? Um, well, this was their first deployment. Oh, no, I mean, I mean, individually, um, how many deployments? I mean. You, I think each and every one of them have six to seven. Oh, <laughs> Oh my God. So they're not new guys, right? They're no, not, no, they're not, like, you know, no, they're not going out. They're not, they're not looking for any trouble. They're no. not, you know, these are senior enlisted guys. And like I said, they were there to just like celebrate, grab something to eat, you know? And so they're, you know, they're walking down the street and Rick Rodriguez and his friends are at a, at a car and Danny goes up and he's like, Hey, you know, like it doesn't need to be like that. You know, hands are down you know, no, Danny's trying to de-escalate the situation. So then Rick Rodriguez like comes up to Danny and is just like yelling and like putting his like fingers into his chest, trying to like, like attempts to like headbutt Danny. So Danny like pushes him just with one hand, like right on the shoulders and he Rick goes back and then Rick comes and hits Danny, you know, with his fist and then tries to hit him again, so he hits him twice, but the second one, you know, Danny moves out of the way, and then he comes in for the third hit, and then Josh Negron pretty much puts a stop to it, hits him, Rick Rodriguez falls to the ground, everybody's just kind of like, every, oh, everybody's just <laughs> kind of like, everybody's like circling around, Eric starts rendering aid, all of Rick Rodriguez's friends, leave just just left in there the they people bailed he, on him they bailed out on him and so danny's like we're not gonna leave him here like he's 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 still an american contractor so they put him back you know into a truck they take him back to his room eric and another contractor watch him overnight eric has to leave you know to to get i don't know if he had a meeting of some sort but i guess it just kind of turned and um the other contractor went to go get eric because uh, you know, Rick asphyxiated. And so from there, that's when they took him to like the medical facility. Did he, what, he so he started throwing up, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. Much he pretty much choked on his throw up because he okay. was drunk. 
So he was annihilated. He was completely annihilated. And, and that, uh, ex, all three of them testified to that. And then as well yeah. as other people that were there, they all testified that yeah. he was drunk. He was, he was yeah. trashed. All right. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So, Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. And then just unfortunately when he, um, you know, he ended up getting, you know, take the launch stool and, you know, he passed away four days later and, um, Pretty much from there, you know, NCIS is, you know, you know how it goes. NCIS yep. shows up, takes the phones away. Um, you know, I was able to talk to Danny right before that. And, uh, you know, he told me everything that, that happened. And I was like, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind as a rational, logical person, um, you know, like, you know, I felt bad because I'm, you know, I'm already thinking about what the families, you know, probably going to go through once you know Absolutely. they figure it out um but um you know i'm like well you know that, that's just kind of like what happens when you're drunk and you you pick a fight <laughs> pretty much you know but you did the right thing by bringing him back and so from there you know they pretty much you know they leave country they come home early and then once he comes home um he was pretty much, they, all three guys were pretty much treated like they were guilty from the moment that they came home. They were all stripped of their SDA pay, um, security clearances. So they can't, at this point, they can't even go to work. Um, promotions on hold. Um, and as and this, things move as they As they literally arrive back in the country, all these things have already happened. Not a single hearing, not a single testimony, not a single th release of statements, anything? No, no nothing. Like nothing at, at that, at that moment. Um, it, but like I said, you can tell that the treatment's different. And then the rumor mill starts because there's an article that comes out and the article obviously has a very false narrative, has no truth to it. So then the command just leeches onto that. And um, at no point did the command ever take any of these guys to sit in there and like have a conversation with them of like hey you know like what happened and i don't even think they cared to e even in country after the the gentleman was emergency medevaced out to germany there was no inquiry conducted then there was no hey we need written statements of the sequence of events nothing so at this at this point like when they were still in country um we decided to to get a lawyer so the lawyers like don't don't say anything yeah you know? um, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't know that. So they just start writing their statements and saying all kinds of things. Like a lot of people in the military don't understand, like you do have the right to, to be silent. And, but I just think it was just the fact that the command just decided to believe what was written. And even when certain things were handed to them that were facts, they still were like, these guards are going to have to pay for what, for what they did. And so the treatment from that point on was I mean, I'm so disgusted with it because as they were being put through this, the families were treated the exact same way. So in over 15 months, all three families have never heard anything from the command. And for me, I took it very personal because I was pregnant. Um, and, and I just remember, you know, going to the hospital the next day because I'm just stressed out because I don't know what's going to happen and just knowing from 
how it was before as a gold star wife to to this point it was um I don't know, it was just it was just frustrating and it was unfair and the, the, just the treatment of the guys was just so unfair and and these are guys that have spent their whole entire career giving their life to this you know well that's what immediately when we first when I first read the story I was like all right, you know, first thing you do is you get into somebody's record, right? You you look at all their performance evals. Mm-hmm. You look at if they've ever had an incident, if they've ever gone to captain's mass, if they've ever had any, you know anything like that, and and you can you you know you can you can develop a profile of the individual. That's what all prosecutors, def, you know, defense attorneys mm-hmm. do. Is you start saying, okay, this this is the the type of person. So did none of the guys with Danny, none, none of them had any past prior experience. They'd never no. gone to, they, they weren't known as abusive or drunks or Liberty risks as I was known my entire career as Liberty risk, but <laughs> <laughs> not from fighting though. That's for sure. I was definitely not a fighter at all. Right. right. Uh, but um, so none of that existed for any of them. None of it. Right. None of like they all have really good reputations when it comes to their their professional careers. Well, what's confusing is to me is why didn't their commanding officer or their XO or their senior enlisted master sergeant why why didn't they step in and immediately begin to vouch for these guys? And especially, how soon did they? One other quick little kind of sequence question: How soon were was the command able to receive the videotape that? essentially proves their innocence well that i think that took like a while i want to say that maybe like a few months maybe like a few months because i can't recall because this has been like 15 months oh good so um but but even then like looking at like the video they still were just like nope they, they didn't even care or they didn't even care about like some of the statements and some of the um you know the witnesses during the article 32 hearing which is a kind of like a grand jury hearing for civilians how soon did you get that hearing uh that was i would say so a little over six months wow wow yeah and 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 how soon did the gag orders go out on everybody at the command and all that so well gee i can't even remember i just remember nobody wanting to say anything and then i remember during the arraignment which was like a few months ago right before you know all this happened um they tried to put a gag order on danny's lawyer wow Uh, so but of course that was denied and um but the, the the witnesses at the article 32 hearing um they were they all got in trouble for falsifying a statement and they're they're on the stand you know, trying to, to be truthful, but they couldn't recall anything. And all of them were drunk that night. Every one of them just annihilated, Every- all, all self-confessed, yeah. inebriated, they, multi, yeah. you know, six, seven plus drinks, all drunk. Well, see, they got in trouble for a complete different situation because they didn't sign out. Oh my so gosh. Basically, so basically what the command did was, was take those guys and try to like flip them, use them and, you know, to use them against, you know, Josh, Danny. Dime them out and we'll yeah. reduce your your penalties for going out right. without signing out. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the case? That's that's how these commands work. And and so did you ever 
did Danny ever get a, a call from his peers? Because now he's up for E8. I mean, this is this is not a small promotion from E7 to E8. It's a mm. massive deal, right? To to make mm-hmm. E7, you know, or E8 is humongous. None of his peers stepped in and said, "Hey, this is not him. That this is ridiculous. This is we need no no." None of the majors he's worked with, no, none of his senior officers came to his backing. None is nothing. No, because people are like people are too scared to. Because I mean, and, and I'll never understand it. Because as we say, right is right and wrong is wrong. Um, and you know, you have all these these creeds, these like special operation creeds about you know about the brotherhood, brother. the ethos. Yeah, the, the, yeah and. Um, there were uh, people that maybe like silently like supported supported him or you know tried to help but they just weren't very upfront about it because you know they're in fear of their careers 100% because you know as you know the commander of Marslock is the convening authority so he has a lot of like power uh but what people don't realize is you can't do that. You can't tell somebody like, no, you can't write a character witness statement or, you know, you have to be like neutral. And, and it says that in the regulation, like, you know, the commanding officer is to be neutral, fair and balanced. And that is not what's going on right now. Because like I said, the moment they stepped foot back into the U S like everything was taken from them w- without even like asking or because they were assumed guilty. So the convening authority, which is General Yu, I mean, this is somebody who doesn't talk to his men, but shows up to the funeral of Rick Rodriguez. Yeah, you had said that in our first call. And for me, that was just bizarre, especially in an active investigation that he would completely tip the scales of of perception, at Mm -hmm. least at a minimum, but you said he also, there's, you got word that he made some pretty substantial comments to the family indicating that he was going after the three of them. Is that? Yeah. In, that that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much. So, and, and this is so sad for the family. So the family ended up showing up to the article 32 hearing. Um, but the family was led to believe by the convening authority and the government, which is, NCIS or whoever it might be, that their loved one was murdered. That was not the case. So this was a two-day thing. Um, can, I, can I interrupt? Can I ask real yeah. quick? And I'm sorry, that's my, my yeah. brain works. Is is did, when who who first off was there an op- autopsy report provided to anybody? Was there a doctor's orders? Was what was what was the original? Uh, doctor's uh, uh, order for getting uh, Mr. Rodriguez on a plane to on a medevac plane to run. what was all what what was the stuff that came was this all because of blunt force trauma to the head I mean what was the autopsy what did the autopsy say so that like I can't speak of because I don't like recall okay. or, or remember but I do remember when they put one of the pathologists um, on the witness stand at the article 32 hearing she couldn't really answer anything and um what do you mean like it just it just wasn't a very like clear concise answer um like she'd been coached that it's just like i i I don't think she was maybe like confident in her answers because 
you know, you don't want to say the wrong thing when you're under oath, you know, um, yeah. which I don't understand because it's the truth of the truth, even if it's your own perception of things, that's still your truth. Especially with a pathologist, right? Science right, is science, science, right? Exactly. <laughs> like math is math, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, but it was just what the government did to that family, because you could tell on day one, I mean, they're giving me a dirty look and there, there's just so much tension. Right. And, and it's sad. And me, I understand where it's coming from, but I, there's the flip side where it's like, do you really know the truth? So the second day when the video was released and Danny went up to speak and say like, yep, this is, this is what happened. You could tell the tone of the family completely changed. And that was really sad because I remember telling Danny, now their grief is, is changed. Like the way their method of, of grieving has changed because now the, the true narrative is out that, you know, their loved one was the aggressor the whole time and that it is a self-defense case because I mean Danny got hit twice yeah right? how, and how, many, how much more abuse do you have to to before that, you can stand and defend yourself and 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 you know I, I went in and looked a little bit of, I looked at some of those articles that they first came out and and they were portraying this guy who was, you know, a, a decorated war veteran from from special forces, you know, as as if like, you know, he was completely innocent. I mean, that was the narrative, mm -hmm. the narrative, and that he was attacked, wrongfully attacked, and beaten to death by these Marsoc raiders. And you know, it's it's remarkable just how easily uh, a narrative can shift uh, the process for anybody that's trying to seek justice. And it, mm -hmm. and it really comes down to, you know, how effective you are at making, you know, you, what's the old saying and that if you, if you tell a lie long enough, it becomes truth. Right. Yeah. And, and were you guys experiencing this? I mean, this, this just. Yeah. So, you know, when, when the first article came out, my phone like blew up and it, this is the weird part is like, there's no names being mentioned, but when somebody in Marslock is sitting in a bar and is talking about these three guys and it's just saying it out loud because they just have no cooth to them. And they're like, Oh my God, did you hear what, you know, Danny D did, you know, like, you know, he like killed somebody and all this. And this is coming from somebody in the Marslock command that, that is in a leadership role that can influence everything. Somebody else. Everything. So it's like you, that's what I'm talking about. Like the rumor mill, like nobody wants to sit there and wait for the facts. And so that, that narrative is going out there and it's all out of control. And like nobody in the command puts a hush to it. Like, Hey, let the legal system like do its thing. Let it, let it ride out because that's what they say. Right. Like trust in the legal process. Yeah, and right? then when you're in my situation, it's like, no F the legal system. I'm, I don't trust the process because I see, what's going on and if i was any other wife yeah maybe i'd feel just comfortable sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing but um it's so wrong and the way the regulation is written there's no way like my husband and two other men are going to get a fair trial because Ooh. people don't realize they're just going to stack a charge. So, you know what, we might not be able to get you for negligent homicide and manslaughter, but you know what, we're going to say that um, what you did was unbecoming of an yeah. NCO. 
dereliction of duty, uh, curfew, like whatever it might be. So that's, what's frustrating. And it's frustrating watching other people get their careers preserved because they're shifted and they're hidden, you know, because I always say, you know, crap rolls down the hill, but it had to start somewhere, but that person's getting saved. So what about the person that commanded the SODIF at the time? Where's he at? Because you have a handful of people that are just making a muck, but you're going to throw these three guys under the bus, but then you're going to save some officers behind. I'm just, I'm just not into it. And and I'm not going to sit here and allow it to happen. As you shouldn't. I mean, that's your first amendment, right? Is to, to get out there and, and plead your case. And thank God I, you know, and we chatted before when, you know, when I was back on the Team Never Quit podcast with Marcus, you know, we, we had Andrea Gallagher and, and, and Eddie's brother on as well, too. And, you know, th- they were, this was prior to Bernie Carrick and Mark Mukasey and Tim Palatori coming in to kind of save the day for him. But, you know, you, you listen to them and, and it was like, my, you know, the, the frustration that, you know, why are the rules not applicable in this situation? I, what's happening and where is, the, where is the influence coming from that can alter this, what is supposed to be the most fair process that we have? It's what, it's what, it's why, it's it with the, 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 the monumentally mind-blowing uh, irony in all this is that's exactly what your husband and his, and his, his swim buddies are over there protecting mm-hmm. is, is in the essence is the constitution and our our rights as individuals and and what why we go to war in the first place that's what's the, mm-hmm. the great irony of it let me ask you this what, how soon did you guys talk to an attorney as this all happened and, and what was that process like so for us we ended up getting a lawyer three days out of like the, when the situation happened, um, I made phone calls, um, and I attained, you know, a really good lawyer. And he told me like, this this is what's going to happen. And, and it did. And then, you know, we just, you know, waited for the guys to like come home so that we could hear the full scope of the story because, you know, obviously you don't want to say anything on the phone. And, um, but it was such, such a clear cut case of like what, like what happened, you know, there, there was no, no trying to hide it or, um, you know, and unfortunately what people were doing is they were comparing our situation to other past situations. And it's like, you need to understand every situation is different. Yeah. And like, I wholeheartedly feel like the guys did like the right thing. They, yeah, they probably could have, if they were trying to hide something, they would have like left him or put him somewhere else, right? But that didn't happen because the moment it happened and they went back onto the base, Danny let the command know what exactly happened. Oh, so, uh, and there's a log so of it and everything. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, so what, what are we hiding? There's no obstruction of justice. There, there, and, and that's what's like so frustrating because the command isn't taking the time to see that. And if they are, and they're still not doing anything, that's because you're just trying to, you're trying to save face for yourself or, or your ego. Well, I, I think there's been one continuous case after another, right? I mean, you, uh-huh. you, you, you know, from the very first most notable cases of, of contractor incidents in 2003 and four in Iraq, 
uh, to, you know, from Fallujah and, and then, you know, there was the market for Blackwater and what happened there. And then, and then just all the other, I mean, the, the Marines that were brought up on charges for urinating on the dead combatant, mm -hmm. there's been, you know, the, what's his name? Uh, um, you know, Major Goldstein and First Lieutenant Michael Bahina and, all, you know, all these, these radical cases where it seems like the UCMJ breaks down. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of, what is the, what do you think that it does to the morale or just from your own personal experience, what has it done to the morale of, of, of not only, I mean, obviously for you guys, your morale is pretty low, but, but what do you think it does, the ripple effects it has to MARSOC? There's no trust there. And, and, and it's just like, it's like the business world. If there's no trust or communication, like how do you do your job? Right. You know, especially like, especially amongst your peers where they, they feel like they can't do the right thing by like, if they stick up for these guys and they get in trouble, right. Or reprimanded or whatever it might be. I just feel like, I, I mean, I, I can't put myself in their shoes, but I can only imagine, like, I wouldn't want to work in a place where somebody doesn't have my back, especially like, especially some of the officers that I have to like work for. Actually, you know, it's almost a slap in the face when you are enlisted and you're not taking care of your guys because being in the military, you take care of your guys. You don't sit there and try to move up because you know, there, there's, that's what's going on. It's like, nobody wants to say anything because they want their career. You know? It affects and they, their fit rep potentially. One, yeah. one, one, one sentence on someone's fit rep can, can basically end the progression of their career. And, and, and that's this very bizarre power manipulation that exists when you move into those upper senior mm -hmm. ranks, right? For sure. And in particular with the officer unit, because there's only a few billets in order to make rank, right? And, and, and it's just such a, a devastating thing. Right? All right. So, uh, you know, as you moved into this and you finally got your day in court, so to speak, with the hearing, did you... What type of outcome were you hoping for and, and what, do you, what did you actually get? So we were hoping after the Article 32 hearing because pretty much the hearing judge puts a recommendation and, you know, he, he, he said that there's a, um, a self-defense case, right? Mm -hmm. And so you would think like when he gives that report to the command and the convening authority, which is the same person, General Yu, you would think that he would take the time to look at everything and be like, okay, you know what, like, let me, let me protect my men. Um, unfortunately, a life was lost, but that life was lost, lost because of the actions of the individual, you know, and everything after the, you know, everything after that incident, the guys did, like, they did what was right, you know, from that point on, and I just feel like, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like it would play in our favor, to be honest. And then when you start learning things about law and the military, because it's not like the civilian side, you start getting disheart, disheartened because now you're learning about the stacking of the charges and just all these other things. And, and the convening authority gets to pick his jury and the prosecution works for general use. So it's like, what? 
So everything is reported directly to him. And, and like general, you could tell the prosecution, no, I want this and this and this, and this will get done. Even if like the prosecution was like, I don't feel like that's right. Like we don't have a case. He, he could sit, sit there and say like, I don't care, fix it. Wow. So that, that's really frustrating that he has that much power. And when he retires, he gets to go work for a, you know, a six figure company like Lockheed while my husband has to somehow navigate through life, whether it's in prison or, or on the outside where his name has already been tainted. Right. So like, I, I just don't get like how that's fair. It isn't. And, and that's, that's the, the magnificent injustice within all justice systems, whether it's civilian justice system or it's especially within the military justice system. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we just continue to see it over and over again. People that have through just <laughs> sheer uh, longevity or, or just uh, because they haven't decided to move on, they, they linger and they know how to navigate mm -hmm. that bureaucratic hierarchy and they get up to a position and now all of a sudden they're in these substantial uh, uh, places where they can, they, you know, the, the, the pathway, the careers, the lives of these other people at, are at, you know, they're, they're, they control it all with these, these decisions they make. And I, I, it's, and you're right. And, it, and it's, it's frustrating too, because it's like, nobody cares. So nobody What do you takes, mean by that? What, what do you mean nobody cares? Well, so the families are affected too. So anything that happens to like my husband, it affects us. So when you're taking pay away preemptively, because you think he's guilty and that's pay that he's been getting for like over 10 years, that's pay that we account for. That's money we account for. That's money that we depend on or you don't even care to the point of his mental state. Wow. And it's here. SOCOM talks about, you know, the suicide rates within, you know, operators and, and how things affect them and how that trickles down. And, you know, humans aren't like hardware and, and all this crap, but it's like, do you really care? Because you're yeah. putting somebody in a position where if he was a weak-minded person, he might've freaking like already killed himself. He might've taken one of the guns and killed himself. But thank God I'm not with somebody like that. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that, but that doesn't work in, any, in everybody's situation. So it's like- Oh, I have a friend. I have a friend that, that got into a massive situation in his, uh, I think it was John's third platoon. Uh, he got wrapped up in kind of this uh, drug ring in, in the Philip or in Thailand with uh, his mm -hmm. senior officer. And, you know, he got busted and he got kicked out with a, a, a dishonorable discharge and he killed himself as a result of it. And, you know, you what what's amazing is, you know, and this is the great I another great irony is they'll make these substantial monetary and time investments in, to cultivate us to the point where they want to where we're able to act on call right here's your mission here's mm -hmm. your op go kill this guy we're like roger that and hoo ya we're right. charging into gunfire with a smile on our face right but yet when the effects the residual effects of that that uh uh, acceptance right on our behalf it's our choice granted but mm -hmm. but to recognize what comes from that and the emotional right. the emotional effect it has on him in terms of our relationship with our identity 
as, as a MARSOC Raider, as a Navy SEAL or whatever, and how, how if that in some way, shape, or form is taken away from us, what it does to us. You know, and we see the same things in our community. Every year, the Naval, Navy SEAL Foundation has a big conference in conjunction with Naval Special Warfare. And for the last several years in a row, not a single, not one single discussion about alcohol or drugs right. or any, any of these very prevalent factors that, in essence, you know, are culturally, in, you know, a part of the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, you're, you're right. It really is. It, it, it is weakening the trust, I think, mm-hmm. of, of not only the operator when these incidents happen, but also the families, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, our past veterans, you know, people that are out there, you know, I mean, I, I take on this as uh, this individual burden that it's, it, it's incumbent upon me to identify potential people that could go into the military one and then go into the special operations community too, and then into the SEAL team. So I'm always on the lookout for these, these individuals, these young people, these young men that have something that I, you know, if cultivated correctly, could, they could go out and do this intense mission. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, we, we account for 85% of the workload around the world right now. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but yet every year, more and more of these cases are coming out. Every year, more and more of these travesties of justice happen. Mm-hmm. How do we recover from this, Destiny? What, what is the thing that happens for you where you can go back to that place as that proud gold star wife to promote MARSOC, to promote the military, and to say, hey, you know, it, it's worthwhile. It's a brilliant career. It's, it's, it, it's a wonderful life. Go do this. How do, how do you, what do you need to have happen in order for you to get back to that space? Well, one, you should be a resilient person that can, can, can handle a lot. Um, but I, you know, one, I do think like the UCMJ needs to, to really be changed. Um, but that's not going to happen amongst anybody in the uniform. That has to happen with somebody in a suit. So a politician? That, yeah, you know, a politician has to change that. Um, so that, um, that has to change, um, how do we get, how do we get to the politicians though? How, what, cause obviously in the midst of this experiencing you're going through, it's not like you want to do any further damage or ostracize, mm-hmm. get Danny ostracized in any other capacity or whatever. So, but it, I mean, what the, the past several years with all these cases have proven is that, you know, uh, military spouses or significant others, if you're not out there advocating and trying mm-hmm. to advocate directly to a politician that can support you, it almost seems hopeless. Do you feel it that is. way? I, I do, because I mean, we we've done a petition. We've uh, we've had friends written into our like our our congressmen and stuff, and and the response that we get is we're we're looking at the situation. We're waiting for the legal system to to do its thing, and it's like no, that's that's that is ninety percent of the problem is is the legal system in the military so it's it's infuriating when you feel like you're hitting your head on a wall and um you know just I mean as a wife I mean just to know because I mean I really doubt a lot of wives know like their rights and their husband's rights you know even be even me being in the military I think I've learned more being out about 
the system than being in. Um, so I, I don't, I really don't know. I, I just know that things have to change. Um, and, and it, and it starts with, you know, the legal system and the programming, um, that they have like all these family programs. They're, they're not effective. Not, at least not to me, they're not, you know, it, it, it's like I said, it's all a check in the block for, you know, somebody who's like commanding a unit. Like, okay, yeah, we have that. We have this. Okay. But are they helping anybody? Not to me. I, I think it's just a joke. It, it, well, they have to have that now, right? right. If they don't, then, then Congress gets upset and all this nonsense. And then and, you lose your funding. Yeah, man. That's exact. It's all about budgetary drives. I mean, I mean, when you've got a, a budget, you know, that's $75 billion a, a year. And I mean, that's substantial. And, right. and, 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 you know, if that comes under any, any, any any form of jeopardy by conduct unbecoming or whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to clap, then you know, to hell with these these men right. who we say and women and families that we support. Let me. What what is the organization that's helping you guys? You said so that that's UAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the ones who are pretty much you know trying to push like a lot of some of the media. Um, they are the ones who actually fund our lawyers. And, uh, you know, they, they try to support us as, as much as possible. And, um, I mean, you know, they do little podcasts here and there and they're trying to get the word out. They, they put out my letter, you know, that I wrote, um, because, you know, we, we want the public to know because obviously strength in numbers. So the more people that know, like who knows who can, can hear about what's going on, you know, um, because it is an injustice and, you know, like I told you, I can deal with life being unfair, but I cannot deal with life being unjust. And there's a big difference because some people are like, oh, no, there's no, there is no difference. Yes, there is. You know, Absolutely. because I can control what's unfair in my life by using, you know, my mind and tools around me. But when it's unjust and something's written in black and white and nobody wants to like bend a gray area because it plays in, in the favor of a prosecution, then that's a, that's a problem because that is my life and that's my husband's life. And those my children get affected by it and, and everything else because it, it once it, it's going to happen to somebody else, what are they going to do? Just not do anything about it and just take charges, you know? And like I said, every situation is very, very different. And, and this one is, you know? Yeah. I think you've got a, a wonderful outlook on it and, you know, and, and the, the, I guess the always the hardest situation when, when the timeline is so far out of your control mm-hmm. is just being patient and hopefully, you know, justice takes, you know, takes the turn it needs to take on, on your behalf. Mm-hmm. How, how's your husband's morale hanging in there? Is he, is he still, uh, is he, is he maintaining? Is he still proud of, of his, you know, being a Marsoc Raider or, you know, how does that shift? Cause I, I, you know, one of the things, you know, over the past couple of years, really getting to know Eddie, uh, was, you know, the, was what I kept hearing from him is like, man, I, I, I almost to the point where he was, um, he was upset with himself that he had allowed the, the idea of the brotherhood to contort his understanding of, of human, the human, of human nature and the human condition mm-hmm. and, on how people ultimately save themselves ahead of anything else. And, how how prevalent injustice is 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 
Is he going through some of that right now? Most definitely. Um, you know, people that know Danny and uh, know his reputation also know that he's like a very social person. Um, and he's, you know, I mean, you saw him, he always has a smile on his face. So it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to watch your husband like go through that because there's nothing that I can say or do to like make things better. You know, I, I can only like support him. Um, but you know, he had the belief that, you know, guys are going to stand, you know, next to him and that his reputation would, would play in his favor. And, um, you know, and it didn't. And, you know, I, I feel like he struggles, you know, but at the same time, he's also a fighter. So he's just not going to just sit there and, and let, let something like this, like happen to him. But yeah, it, it is frustrating to see somebody who looks at life and, and just believed in, in that brotherhood and, and believed in this facade, I guess you could say. And the um, veneer, the veneer yeah, of he, the ethos, the veneer yeah. of the brotherhood. Yep. Yeah. That, you know, that believed in like, you know, when you're weaving a, a paddle, you know, and you're putting it together, like, you know, you're thinking about certain things. I mean, that's, you know, I've seen him, you know, sit there and do that for hours. And it's like, I, I can tell, you know, like his head, you know, his head spinning, but now it's like, you know, he's, you know, thinking about his exit plan. And, and I think he feels like this was like a false self of, you know, a false self, you know, yeah. and there's, there's more, you know, in the world than just, you know, the little, the badge that you wear. Oh my God. It, you know, yeah. the, it's, it's, it's how, you know, it's what's in the uniform that's on the, you know, that the badge mm -hmm. is on. I mean, that's, yep. that's where, that's the definition. It's, it's the man that's next to you when that round is cracking past mm -hmm. your head and they're looking at you smile and say, we got this, let's go. I mean, that's, that's where the, the, you know, the rubber or the, the boot hits the, the, the Afghan dust, so to speak. Right. And that's, what's crazy is you can have somebody standing next to you that will take a bullet for you, but he won't stand next to you to, to it's support you and to say what is right and, and to tell like the leadership, like, no, like that what you're doing is wrong. It, because like I said, strength in numbers, right? But oh there's so my God, yeah. And there's it, so much fear over there. Well, I mean, that's the that's the how the, the system becomes manipulated by prosecution, right? And and mm -hmm. you know, great prosecutors know how to work the system. I mean, they know how to to contort the facts in a way where it, it puts the person, you know, in 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 the negative light from day one to where, you know, they're forcing themselves to on the mercy of the court if you will by these stacked charges by just trying to get out with some component man you know and it's just i mean to imagine that in, in any capacity he wouldn't be able to retire with his full e8 status all of his you know uh, attributes mm -hmm. his awards his rank his his career his base his salary i mean it's that is the greatest travesty of justice in my mind mm -hmm. You know this whole concept that a a a, a thousand attaboys is wiped out by one false oh shit right mm -hmm. uh, the perception of a commander's oh shit versus the reality of the situation right and but and it, and it goes to show too like if people knew what General Yu was doing by using unlawful command influence by telling people in the command like you can't speak on their behalf 
you can't do this, you can't do that. Like you cannot say that. So if let's say just like a, a captain that that knew Danny was like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna actually write you a, a character witness. Like his career shouldn't be on the line, and he should be able to say like, no, what you're doing is wrong, and be able to say it comfortably without retribution, and or you have officers sitting in a meeting during the investigation, you know. Um, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Your, your or, voice is still coming through. So you're fine. Okay. okay. Or is, um, we're sitting there, you know, in a meeting sitting there saying that these guys are all murderers and they should burn for it. Wow. <laughs> without seeing the videotape, without seeing, reading the testimony, without right. talking to these guys who entrusted mm -hmm. with these highly sensitive missions, right? You've entrusted with them being taking junior, junior Raiders into combat, trusting, mm -hmm. you know, put invoking, you know, the most powerful trust that you can do by leading young men in the battle, right? To give them that responsibility, but then to say, oh, wait a minute. But in this Liberty incident, all of that trust is worthless because it doesn't fit our narrative that we, that our commanding officer jumped the gun to establish with the family and then all these other interviews. Yeah, no, 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 we're not going to, we're going to let that fly. It's insane. Exactly. It's absolutely it, it, it insane. Is. But like there's three other families that are like suffering for it. You right. Know? All right. So what happens next? What's the next phase of the case? What's happening uh, what, 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 what do you guys have in, in store for you with the legal aspect? Well, as you know, everything is pretty much on hold right now because mm -hmm. of, you know, what's going on, you know, in, in current world. Um, so we're, we're just, we're at, we're at a stalemate right now waiting for pretty much some, some court dates, but our, our whole goal is like, we don't want to go to court martial because if we do, it's going to be unfair. Like you think so that that you can't get a fair trial at, at the court martial case? Not when you're not when the convening authority is General you. No, because he is going to taint the jury pool. So if you could get someone else to step into that position, you feel like you'd get a fair crack at it. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm not really sure because you know just with like everything that I've read and everything that I've seen, I, like I'm actually like scared. Wow. So it's like. The, the only, there's nobody in uniform that's going to help us wow. at this point. You, you know? feel like you honestly believe in the place that you're coming from, of, 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 a, a lifetime of military commitment and sacrifice, that going into this circumstance, there's nobody in a uniform that's going to back you up and help you? No. Good God almighty. No. And, and. It, it's like I said, they, they want them to take something. And when you're right and you feel what you did was right, why would I take it? Like, why would Danny take any charge? I don't care if it's dereliction of duty because that didn't even exist. There was no curfew. There was, there was none of that. And people that are like, even on the, the regular side of the military, they don't understand the, the, the liberties that somebody in the special operations command might have of going in and out and in and out, you know? So now, like, if, if he takes, like, even the smallest charge, he's still considered 
guilty and that's still a conviction for the prosecution yeah so no wow. there's just there's no way and like i said just the way things are and just what i've seen within the command and sitting you know sitting at arraignments and you know sitting at an article 32 hearing it's it's unreal like i my mouth was like dropped open wow have you been approached by uh, you know have has anybody in a position of power from a municipality uh, your congress state congress and state senate national congress anybody has anybody reached out to you and said hey can you tell us more about this there's no follow through like i've you know i've emailed people um who've you emailed who who who've you uh, reached out to so we've reached out to um senators here in north carolina because those you know are who we fall under and like i said i got a letter back that just said like they're they they're aware of the situation and they're just watching the legal process right now what about your congressman any congressman we've done that too and it's the same thing like do, just do, do you have any congressmen that have military backgrounds at all i'm trying to think not that i've like personally like reached out or right. had a conversation or written a letter to now yeah man i was gonna say man what it would that that's where the opportunity you know someone like brian right. mass from florida you know former eod i think he's eod lost both of his legs or dan crenshaw you mm -hmm. know uh i you know something like that i just think would would you know just to get the ball rolling so to speak right. to bring a greater awareness on the national level right uh, has anybody from a major news source contacted you at all or anything like that no it's you know how about local news? Have you done a local news for it? No, we, we haven't. And I'm actually shocked that, you know, the local news hasn't like given us a, like a phone call, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like the way the command handled everything, they tried to keep it as quiet as possible, even down to the article 32 hearing, which is a public hearing. Um, there was no like message sent out, um, you know, because we, we did know like a, a reporter from the Washington Post and he's like well that's really weird because I didn't really hear anything from that so it, it's just like really interesting on how quiet they're trying to keep things so so mind you like their names are never released until after the article 32 hearing and that's just when our lives were like really changed and like you know like I live in a community I live in a neighborhood we you know we have a child that's very that's in the community plays soccer and stuff and it's like you're seeing like the, the whispers and, and, you know, you're seeing like your, your child getting, you know, treated differently because, you know, certain parents don't want you to play with, you know, and, you know, those are the effects of like what's going on and it might not mean a lot to people, but that all plays on your, your mental health. Hell yeah, it does. In so, particular, how uh, do you, how do you tell your child, your, you know, Hey, you know, sweetie, your, your, your stepfather is being wrongfully accused and is mm -hmm. being, you know, his career is in jeopardy and the way our lifestyle is in jeopardy because mm -hmm. of some, you know, draconian commanding officer. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, it just, it's. And it's, you don't, you know, you, you, you go through your day, like, you know, with the smile on your face and, you know, like even, you know, I see like my husband struggling sometimes, you know, like with the baby, because it's like, all that has like a great cloud over it from the, you know, the moment we had our son and stuff. It's like, I can see the struggle of trying to, 
you know, like enjoy this baby and hold him. But then in, in the back of his mind, he's like, how am I one supposed to take care of my family? Two, if something happens to me and I go to jail, like that gets taken and ripped apart. And, and then I, I play a father, you know, to a gold star child who's already lost, the, who's already lost a dad who she never got to meet. And, you know, she's the, he's the only one who's ever been in her life like that. So it's like, like, what, what do you say? What do you do? Wow. You know, but that just maybe isn't really important to, to some people because it, it's, they're not living it, but that's the thing at any moment as a military spouse, your husband could be in the same situation as mine. That could have happened to anybody. Any second, any, any second. second. Absolutely. Oh my God. Well, Destiny, I'm, I'm, uh, all right. So what can, what can people do to help support you? What can they do to help support your fun, you know, your defense of this? Mm -hmm. What, where can people go? What can they do? And who can they write? Who can they call? Well, you know, like everybody knows you, you can write your congressman. And if you know people like reach out to those people and, you know, explain like what's going on, like this unjust system. And then, you know, like you can go to uap.com or .org and you can like help them, you know, with like the funding of, you know, our lawyers and everything. So those are two avenues. Like for us though, like the biggest thing is, you know, writing your congressman, writing your senator, reaching out to people that you know, you know, sharing, you know, podcasts and sharing articles and, you know, because like I said, these are really amazing men that have given up their careers and have you know, I always feel like they're like, I feel like people in the special operations, like they're like, they're on borrowed time and lucky, you know, they were lucky enough to get just more time, you know, to, to be on this earth. So it's like, man, like to go down like this, you know, like every, every man wants to go down and like, you know, glory and guns, you know, but nobody wants to go down like this. They don't want to be remembered like this. Yeah. So, you know, it, and it's frustrating too, because now it, even if they did get cleared of everything, their names are still out there. So they still have to tell like their next employer, like, yeah, you know, this is what happened. You know, this is why my security clearance was, you know, on a hold. Like it affects so much. Yeah. You know? It really does. Well, um, again, Destiny, I'm so sorry this is happening to you and your family. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing your story. And, and uh, we'll be sure to try and uh, spread the word and try and, uh, bring it to the attention of, of just a couple folks that we seem to know. And, and yeah, we just, uh, we're praying for you and really just, uh, hope for the best for you guys. Right. And, and thank you so much for like, just, you know, giving your time, you know, back to us like that, that means a lot. And, you know, thank God, you know, I met, you know, John Foreman a few years ago, you know, like, you know, I told him like I was in tears, you know, just, that was probably the best news I heard, you know, just having the opportunity you know, to, to say what I needed to say and that somebody, you know, cared, like you cared enough to actually have a conversation with me. And that's all it starts with, right? Is a conversation. It's as so simple as that. You're welcome. And it's my thank honor. You. And I just can't thank you enough, not only for your service, but for your family's service uh, and for Danny's service, man. Uh, and please just uh, throw some big arms and some big love from this frog man around yeah. him and for us at Team Frog Logic. And, uh, uh, anything we can do to continue supporting if the next court date you go through and you want to come back on, please let me know. Okay. And we'll just uh, keep uh, driving this injustice into the public eye and, 
and uh, hopefully we can, there is justice out for you. I think there will be, but it, it's probably going to be a little bit of a long path. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, before we, we sign off, I just want to give a big shout out to all my sponsors and just how much I appreciate their, their help in, in supporting the Frog Logic podcast. Couldn't do it without them. Uh, just so blessed and thankful for uh, keeping it simple uh, with on it, man. And if you are a fan of human optimization and you're really looking to keep your immune system up, keep your focus, keep your uh, drive going through these difficult times with COVID-19, man, then check out on its supply of incredible uh, stuff they have like this right here, Alpha Brain, man. Every morning I wake up, I start my day out, have my cup of water, take an Alpha Brain, and that just keeps me mentally focused and dialed in all day long, man. I just love this product so much. This is their flagship product over at onit.com. And it's been a, a huge for me as a guy that's suffered a, a bunch of concussions some traumatic brain injury from being in the teams from blast injuries and breaching and all that stuff. Man, this is a product that I depend on and that really makes a huge difference, uh, especially under the stress and duress of what I'm facing, trying to manage and uh, with a family of, of, of uh, six, our family, six people and on at home education and all this stuff, man. Uh, this is the thing that keeps me focused. It keeps me driving. It keeps me uh, able to motivate everybody out there by using the frog logic message. So head on over to Onnit at O-N-N-I-T.com. That's Onnit.com and check out alpha brain their flagship problem tell them frog logic sent you man you can't beat that all right the other company that just uh uh is absolutely essential especially during this particular time is wise company man look at this beautiful incredible uh, uh box of freeze-dried food for my family i mean right here you can't beat this wise company uh provides the best tasting longest lasting up to 25 years uh, freeze-dried food that you can find on the market, man. I've been with these guys for quite a while. I love the product. I love the taste. I love the company. Now, they have been experiencing some delays because they're literally, oh, they're, 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 they're a manufacturing plant out in Salt Lake City uh, is running 24 hours a day. They're fulfilling thousands of orders a week, man. And, and so they will get to you. Just go ahead and make sure you have the right food supply uh, for this pandemic, man. Uh, and not to induce fear or cause any panic, but, but man, the way I look at it is I always need to be prepared if the very worst happens, right? If our, if our different levels of systems begin to collapse and now all of a sudden we're not get able to get groceries to there every single day, food lines stop, man, you want to be able to have enough food for your family, 2,000 calories a day for an extended period of time. You can't beat Wise Company. So head over to uh, uh, readywise.com is their new uh, website and you can find all their products. That's readywise.com uh, and you can find their buckets. They're three months, one month, two months, whatever you want to do. I've got about six months worth of food for my family. Uh, you can't beat it. That's readywise.com. Uh, uh, and if you put in the promo code FROGLOGIC, you will get 25% off everything they got in the store, man. You won't want to miss that, that promo code. It's incredible, especially if you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars. 25% off is massive. So again, put in promo code FROGLOGIC, 25% off. 
at readywise.com or wisefoodstorage.com. All right. And lastly, man, we would love and appreciate your support. If you were to head over to teamfroglogic.com, check out uh, our new kids books, our, our new kids books, uh, Doc Frog and the Anti-Bully Brigade. And if you love that one, where Doc and his uh, team of uh, anti-bully specialists, Hannah Hawk, uh, Wiley Wolf, and uh, Semper Fido get together and they teach young people who have faced bullying how to come up with a, a, an effective solution that will end it in its tracks and can help everybody involved. And then if you want more, go start and get Doc Frog's physical training manual. It's 12 different exercises to help you start getting fired up and ready for anything else. Also, if you feel like buying a t-shirt, a hat, uh, man, we've got great frog logic uh, paraphernalia. Oh, that's not the right word, right? Great frog logic uh, kit and, and gear. Uh, we'd appreciate your support right now as uh, a lot of things have happened. Also, if you or your company needs an online motivational training program or online motivational uh, thing, I can give a seminar. I just developed one co called Pandemic Motivation. Find a pathway through the pain that will help you and your team address all the major issues that people are dealing with during these times to help you get back on track, make it through this, and come out stronger in the other end. That's at teamfroglogic.com. Check out the store, contact us, and we're ready to be here for you. Again, thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Please tell your friends about uh, the show. Uh, write a review online. Uh, listen to us on, on uh, subscribe on YouTube for the video. We just appreciate your support so much. Uh, God bless you and uh, take care. Stay safe.